You have to stay on top of trends. Today's leaders always need to be learning. In this environment of limited resources, the only way to remain competitive is your ability to leverage your most important resource. Welcome to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. In this program, we'll dive into leadership fundamentals that are essential to your success. Now, here's your host, Tom Crea. Good Monday morning, and welcome back to another episode of Your Evolving Leadership Journey. If you've been following the show, you know that I typically interview book authors, but today we're going to do a curveball here, and we're going to interview uh, Luke Peters, because Luke wants to help you with your business. And after He's a uh, business owner, and after making every mistake, he discovered tips for any small business that center on leadership and strategy. For example, why is delegation difficult, or how do you give the right people more confidence to lead, and building accountability without micromanaging and also showing key team members that you truly value their work. And we're going to discover why New Air, his company, was voted one of Orange County's top workplaces and move your business from startup to entrepreneurial success. So Luke Peter, Peters has started over five businesses. He's currently, his current brand, New Air, is growing with more, oh, excuse me, over 50 employees and multi-eight-figure sales, which Luke started as a side hustle out of his garage. And New Air, as I said, has been voted, voted one of uh, Orange County's top workplaces for 2019. Yeah, he's the host of Page One Podcast, a twice-weekly show featuring guests and thought leaders on topics ranging from channel strategy, tariffs, influencer marketing, product launches, and details about how to grow commerce with big box retailers. So with that said, let me just give Luke a big warm welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, Really thrilled to be on the show and hopefully uh, get something interesting and valuable to the audience here. Oh, I'm sure you will. Uh, you're successful. And um, so with that said, let me ask you my first question and, uh, and I'll have some more, I'm sure, for you to follow along. So you've grown your company um, over 18 years. And what I, the, question, the first question I have for you is how has your leadership changed during that process? Sure. I mean, good question. And how, you know, usually, and I guess this is for a lot of companies at the beginning, when people start a company, they may not know a lot about leadership. And, you know, so they may not know how to delegate, or they may not have a team they can actually delegate to. And for me, you know, I was more, I kind of came from more of a science background. So I I did, there's a lot that I had to learn about business. I'm still learning now. And so um, what I would say is over that time, you know, I learned to delegate more and learn strategies on holding people accountable and, and which is better for everybody else, you know, when, when you can trust the team to do a good job at the same time, you know, I still like to get deep in the weeds. So there's a balance there, but definitely um, have been, you know, wiser, learned more about delegating and um, just have read a ton of books, you know, which with between books and working with a lot of leaders in industry, you know, you hopefully, kind of uh, bring some of that into your own leadership style. And, and, and so it's been a journey. So you said you have a science background and so do I, um, I happen to study computer science and, uh, but it wasn't, I want something I would consider my strength. I'm just curious. What was your background? Yeah. So I studied microbiology and I actually worked as a hazard hazardous waste scientist for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, that's my background, which is interesting because right now, you know, we have this coronavirus, uh, the China coronavirus outbreak, and, and that's actually disrupting our supply chain. So it's, um, 
you know, I have a different, I have a little bit more of an, a little more knowledge, not, not, not enough, but enough to make me dangerous there and think that I know more than I, than I actually do. But yeah, studied microbiology. It's a fascinating subject, um, you know, because you, it's, it's more specific than say just a biology degree and you really get to learn about all the pathogens and, and, and kind of how the, you know, all, all these things we don't see that really make the world uh, move. Well, look, you know, so the reason I wanted to explore your background a little further is this. Um, you know, when I talk and I give my speeches uh, or keynotes, and one of the things I talk about is this concept of the skills curve. And that is, you know, at the individual contributor level, 90% of our success depends upon our technical skills. And as we move up to manager, it might be 50-50, and that's where the greatest change occurs. And then we move up a little further to mid-manager, and it's 75%. And I'm sorry, the other side of that was the people skills. And um, and finally, when we get to top management, it's 90% people skills and 10% technical. And that whole equation got reversed. So if you would, you know, you've gone through that from your technical microbiology background to being a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. So talk a little bit about that change and how you had to move from technical to interpersonal and people skills. Yeah, well, I mean, luckily, I really enjoy talking to people and I... I love getting to know them. Um, it's tough though, because when you're a leader, you can't really, it, it, it's the, the difficult, you know how they always say, you know, it's lonely at the top. It's, it's difficult to, you want to say everything that's on your mind, but you can't, you know, and that, that's part of being a leader. So um, there's a challenge there between wanting to be able to tell someone something, but understanding that, Hey, your words can have more consequence than say, if, if you were working alongside that individual. So there's definitely a balance and I have a lot to learn there. Um, I would say that I probably still am too much in the weeds in a sense, but that's kind of what I enjoy about business, you know, and, 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 but learning to be more strategic is, is, is something that I'm working on all the time, but that's where you bring in people as well. So you can hire in leaders in each department and hopefully they're bringing their strategic insights. And then for me, you know, like that, that was a good example that you brought up, but, you know, starting from the beginning, and, um, you know, being more technical at the beginning, but then having to learn these leadership uh, principles and how to communicate properly. Um, yeah, it's, there's definitely, it's been a journey over, you know, the last 15, 18 years. You know, if I may, I'm going to recommend a book for you because you said you like to read. And uh, I had a guest on my show uh, earlier this month. His name was Mark. This was is Martin Evans. And, uh, He's the author, co-author of What Happens Next. And it's all about how, as the leader goes through and climbs up the ladder of any particular company, there's a different set of challenges, and they go from the complex to the sophisticated. I like Mark so much, I've invited him back to do a second show because we just couldn't get through all the content in his book. Anyway, um, and it's not just for you, Luke. It's for anybody who's listening. It, it, it's just a fantastic book. I'm looking forward to talking to Mark again. Um, it'll be the week after your show. At any rate, so my next question yeah. for you is, how does leadership affect the culture of a company? What have you learned? So uh, what I've learned is, um, and, and thanks for that book suggestion. What I, what I've learned is there's a lot of great books on, you know, suggestions on what to do. But one thing that's not often taken into account is as your company grows and becomes more profitable, you can now hire in different levels and different skill levels and different talents, improved talents. Right. And so at the beginning, Obviously, most people, most businesses you're going to hear will have struggles because, and usually that emanates from communication. So lack of communication, lack of transparent communication, and lack of process. 
But what often isn't discussed is kind of over that journey, over those five years, when you're able to bring on people who have leadership skills, that also makes a huge difference within a company. You know, so some of it can happen because, say, the entrepreneur, you know, instills more process and more communication. But then a lot of it happens when you bring in a better team that also brings that, you know, from their past experiences. And often that's kind of left out, you know. And so sometimes um, new entrepreneurs might be frustrated but they also have to understand, look, there's a lot they can do. And then there's a lot that they're going to have to understand is going to happen in the future as their company grows, you know, and there, there's a time for both of those things. So, but definitely, um, you know, communication and instituting things like newsletters and company lunches and employee appreciation and staying on top and making sure the team is informed as much as possible. Because I think what happens is teams tend to, they, they people, people can be scared if they don't know what's going on and they tend to extrapolate quote or slash gossip, <laughs> you know, kind of what they think is happening. And so it's really important to be out in front of that. And trust me, like we were still learning how to do that today. I mean, that that's something that never goes away. Um, but I would say probably one of the more important things um, for companies to think about. Okay. And, and you were talking a little bit about the employees and one of the questions I want to ask you and yet, you know, one of the advantages I have in doing this show is I get to read some great books and some great authors. And the one I did in January, the beginning of the year, was uh, Great CEOs Are Lazy. And for anybody who's listening, you know, all this information is at the website, Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Yes, I realize it's long, but hopefully the name resonates. YourEvolvingLeadershipJourney.com, and you're going to see a list of all the guests. And Jim Schlechter uh, wrote a book called Great CEOs Are Lazy. And one of the things he talked about, Luke, that I'd like you to comment on, he was talking about, you talked about the culture and the fit. And the question for you is, um, what have you found? Is it better to hire that A player um, who may or may not be a good fit for your culture or that B player who you can groom who is a fit for your culture? What have you experienced? Uh, first of all, I've read the book. It's, it's an excellent book. Anybody listening definitely should read it. Um, I, I'm still not lazy yet. I'm trying to be lazy, but uh, it's, it, trust me, it's hard to, to cross that chasm. Um, but excellent book. And uh, definitely, it, it, with, for your example, 100% of the time, hire the B player. Uh, I mean, you want to hire the A player. But the thing is, if, if it... You know, if now here's the tricky part when you're interviewing, it's not always obvious that somebody is a bad culture fit. You, you try to figure that out. But um, recently, I actually was in two interviews in the, your exact circumstance, by the way. So in, in that bad culture fit was um, usually insecurity. So somebody who they, they could be a technical expert, but if they're talking bad about their last employer in an unprofessional way, then you just know, like part one of our main core values is accountability. And so look, every employer is going to have things to complain about. That's just a fact of life, you know, just like within a family unit, you're going to have those things. But at the same time, people got to be emotionally intelligent enough to know that interview is not the best place to say that. <laughs> so um, mm -hmm. that, that's actually a great question. And I've run into that directly and wanted so badly to have that skill set. But at the same time, and it was more than just a comment about an employer, you know, I mean, it, you know, these are long interviews. So when you get into you to somebody who can potentially could be toxic, um, you know, that, that can ruin, that can take down the culture of the whole company. Yeah, you know what? So that's going to lead right into my next question. Uh, and you reminded me, in, in the Army, we had this expression, 
So, look, um, that gets into the communication skills part of it. And so what are some communication tips and examples that you found to improve company culture? And how do these tie in with leadership? Sure. So um, a lot, you know, you can have events and you can show appreciation and it doesn't have to cost a lot. And we've definitely improved those types of things. So, so company newsletter, monthly company lunches with the whole team. And then we've learned, like I'll give you specific examples at those company lunches. Um, we'll have a person from each department say what the highlight is from their department, you know, not me and not, say the company leadership. So then somebody, an individual doing the work is highlighted, right? In front of their peers. And uh, they have to get up and stand up in front of the company. And, you know, we're all in one big room. And, um, the, you know, but you can, you, you know, there's birthdays. Like today we're having a little Valentine's uh, brunch. You know, it's Valentine's Day today. And, and so those types of things um, can make a difference. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to solve every problem. You're always going to have areas that, you know, the culture could be better. Like for example, now we're dealing with tariffs, right? And we have a plan on how we're handling tariffs. And then we deal with the coronavirus. And you can only tell your team so much because the thing is I'm, uh, on the flip side, I hate to make promises I can't um, follow up on, right? So I, so that's the ch my challenge as, a, as, a, as an owner of a company is that I want to say as much as I can, but if I don't know exactly um you know, I can't predict the future and I don't want to say something that may not be true in a couple of weeks. So that's where, that's where there's this balance. And then, then you'll have things like coronavirus and tariffs and it could cause uncertainty within a company, right? We have a plan, you know, we're going to be just fine, but it's going to cause uncertainty. People could be nervous. And so there's a huge balancing act on communication, but, but hopefully those are a couple of examples of, of, you know, highlighting, making sure the team is highlighting, making sure they're, they're highlighted in, organizational events and making sure people are recognized in front of their peers, not, not individually, but in front of their peers. Um, those are, you know, things that definitely make a difference. And when we don't do it, which, you know, like I said, this is a, this is a process. We're still learning and making mistakes every day. When we don't do it, inevitably you hear about that two, three months later, even if someone leaves, you hear about that, you know, maybe somebody felt snubbed and, and that's just an opportunity for us to say, Hey, okay, now we, we have to improve on that. Like we didn't think that was as important as it was to them, but it was. And then now next time around, we can work on improving that. Well, great. Thanks a lot. Now, look, I always like to recap or rephrase what my guests have to say. And, you know, and you haven't heard this, but the listeners have is I honestly believe I am a product of the best leadership development culture in the world. And some of the things that you touched on that I just want to highlight were this. You know, if two people have an idea, you and one of your team members, it's much, much better for you to allow them to share the idea and you to support that idea. Because chances are they may or may not support you and you want to be able to shine a good spotlight on them when they have a great idea and promote their 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 idea, their self that sort of thing. And you can go all the way back to Dale Carnegie where, you know, praising public and criticizing private type of thing. So, um, so thanks for that example. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, that kind of leads into the next question as well. When making a tough decision, how do you navigate those and, and how did being transparent help you? Yeah, so this is a good one when, when you do have a good leadership team, making a tough decision, I bring in, I bring in the leadership team. I joke around I say, I bring, I bring in the brain trust. And uh, the thing there is that, you know, we have, we have a diverse company. So the good thing is 
um, that means you're going to get different viewpoints. Um, just diverse from so many aspects, you know, not just, uh, you know, where they grew up, but also what their experiences were. And so, you know, maybe if you're negotiating something with a, um, a client or you're working with a lawyer on a potential challenge or you're, you know, um, dealing with an employee situation, bringing in multiple opinions and letting the team work together to um, come up with, okay, what's the final way on how to handle this? I would say above everything, that's going to be the best option. And teams, if teams don't have high level leadership, that you'd be surprised by ideas you can get even from the folks, you know, doing the work, they're going to have great opinions on a lot of these things. And uh, multiple opinions are almost always better than one singular opinion. So I would say that's, that, that's what companies can do. And I think a lot of companies think they're doing that. And so one way you can ensure you're doing that is by having um, regular leadership meetings. Okay. So you can have, you know, obviously you have your company lunches and those types of things, but how about, you know, just regular leadership meetings, which um, are, can have two uh, key um, reasons to have those. And that might be to keep everybody on their goals. So, you know, whether you run your company by something called OKR or um, any other management process, MBOs, but it, it, when you're, when you're running the, the company, you need to get everybody together and hold them accountable. But also that can be, you know, if you do that weekly, it's a time to bounce these ideas off the team, get their opinion. And then also the, the, the underlying, the other great thing that that does is, you know, everybody in a good way is going to go talk to their teams and their peers. So if you're in these leadership meetings and you're talking and you're saying, Hey, we need to recognize this person. They did a good job. Not only will that person get recognized, but probably the people in that team are going to go back and say, Hey, so-and-so, you know, you got something coming good for you or, or, Hey, you know, you know, Luke's really impressed by what you're doing. See, there's multiple ways that information is going to flow back into the team. Yeah. It's, it's just always a great idea to, to build up every member of your team and development, you know, and, and back to that book, uh, uh, great CEOs are lazy, uh, with Jim Schlecher. Um, you know, one of the things is if you can get people to the 70% level and, um, delegate the task to them, you're you're giving them uh, again back to that self esteem. They're taking ownership. They're much more invested, and they're just going to do a much much better job. And guess what? That's what's going to make your life easier. And I certainly found that in my two command positions. The more I delegated, the easier my life got. And so for me, delegation is huge. Okay. So our next question would be: Is what are three things a leader should never do? Yeah. So, you know, you gotta lead by example. So I think if there's one core value, like we, and we've had this one from the beginning, it's hundred percent accountability. So the leader's got to be accountable, meaning you really can't ever complain. <laughs> right. And that's why it's lonely at the top, but um, you can't ever complain and you need to be accountable for everything and never blame anybody. And, and look, it's hard. It's really hard because there could be someone, you may be talking to one, another, you know, to the next, to a leader next to you about someone on their team and saying, yeah, they're, they're just not cut out for this job or they're doing a great job here. You know, whatever you're saying, the problem is you have to be able to have those real conversations, right? So on the one end, you don't ever want to, you want to stay away from blame, but on the other end, it, it, you you still have to call a spade a spade. And if someone's not, if, if, if something isn't working, you have to be direct about it. So it's a very tough uh, line to walk there. And then the other one is, 
you know, you can't lie. You got to, you got to tell the truth, you know, in all cases. And um, because you're going to lose trust and trust is kind of the basis for all business. In fact, it's, it's, it's our, um, in our vision, our goal is to be the most trusted brand, you know? So we, and it's hard for me to pick one of those things because I don't want something corny, but if when you're the most trusted, it means not just by your customer, by the bank, by your suppliers, by your vendors, right? Everywhere within the company, you have to be trusted and you have to tell the truth. So those are, those are things a leader can't ever do. And when you do it, if you break one of those, it's, it's bad. And, and, you know, you can obviously regain that trust by apologizing and stuff like that, but um, better not to do it in the beginning. Look, all great points. And again, I'd like to rephrase, recap, which some of the things you said, you know, we had this expression um, as a leader, you can delegate authority, but you could never delegate responsibility. And for that, us, that meant you're always accountable. It doesn't matter. And if it was something that was done really well in the unit or the organization, you pass credit on to the other people. And if it was something that did poorly, it's back to accountability. You own it. You set the example. And, and if it didn't go well, it's your fault. And you got to figure out what you didn't do right uh, as a team because you're the leader. The next thing you talked about I, I want to also comment on is trust. You know, it is huge, and it's huge, huge in any, any industry, whether you're in uh, – what you're doing, Luke, or what I'm doing in coaching and consulting. And, you know, my goal is for my clients to think of me not as a service provider, not as a vendor, but as a trusted advisor. And there are books on that as well that are, that are also great that uh, expand on that extremely well. So one more question before we go to break, and that is, how can a company build leadership into their culture? Um, I think you talk about your core values and your different leadership and mentoring programs. Um, so if you would comment on those, please. Sure. I mean, and I'll, I'll say one that is, a, is kind of a, a cheating way, and that is to hire good leaders. <laughs> so, you know, think about it. And, and it sounds like cheating, but not if that's intentional. Not if when you hire people and you have a choice to hire someone, person A or person B, and you say, well, person A is the one with the leadership skills, so I want them on the team, even if they don't have the right technical skills, right? So if you do that from that perspective and you look at folks and you try to bring in more leaders, which honestly often means they may not be as technically savvy. It just sometimes people leaders are, you know, better with words and not with numbers. And um, that's a that's a, a shortcut, and that's something every entrepreneur should do as their business is growing and as they can afford good leaders. Good, good leaders are always going to cost more, uh, cost more. You know, they're always, but they're going to they're going to provide more value. The other thing, so that's one, but the other things are is let people lead. So give people a chance. So when you have someone that's up and coming and you want to promote them, uh, give them a chance. Um, it, it goes both ways, though. You have to be accountable. They have to be accountable, and you have to hold them accountable. So you give them a chance. And you can find out quickly, you know, if they have what it takes to lead um, or not, which is, it's, it's such a, a unique skill. It's such a rare skill, honestly. Like great leadership to me is, is more rare than, you know, technical, than these great technical skills. Um, and so letting them lead and then also teaching folks how to hold people accountable, Okay, because a lot of times newer leaders don't actually understand that. So you can do that by teaching them how to set up reporting um, how to teach their team. Really, really a lot of it can be taught on reporting. And then the, the final thing I would say is like at, at my company, I've started up a mentoring group. So that, that's been great. You know, I get a chance to kind of tell people how I think and, 
and um, hopefully grow them. And, and some people, I think some appreciate it and, and others might not, but that's fine. Like whenever you own a company, look, it's, you know, you, you have to know that going in when you do things that it's, it's going to work in some cases and not in others. But as a whole, it's my job, you know, to really understand the team and make the team better because then the company becomes better. So that mentoring group, it, it's been really uh, rewarding. So if leaders haven't done that within their organization, they can, they can think about building out their own mentoring group. And in our case, it's, you know, once a month for five or six months and we're reading books and we're talking about, you know, what kind of actually probably a lot about your, your, your show, right. You know, we're, we're reading some of the best authors and, you know, Stephen Covey's and Earl Nightingale's and stuff like that. And, and these young uh, millennials haven't read any of this stuff, you know, and they, they haven't, they don't understand these principles. They have a different view than maybe the Gen X generation. So that actually has been a lot of fun. Well, yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I would tell you when I was their age, I probably didn't read a lot of those books either, but I've read a lot since. All right, look, let me kind of wrap that up and we're going to go to break. Um, you know, you talked about letting people, you know, take responsibility. Uh, we started with core values and I go back to that whole thing about, you know, I, I would, I always felt like if I had a B player on my team with a good attitude, um, I would take them any day over anybody with a bad attitude. I love the fact you have this mentoring group. And really, this is all about developing your, your players, your team into being better, better performers. And you know what? Everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody wants to learn and grow. And everybody wants to be part of a winning team. So it's our job as leaders to help them grow, to delegate more and more, put as much on their plate as they can handle, and they're just going to eat it up. So with that, Let's go to our break, and we've been talking to Luke Peters, who wants to help you with your business. He's the owner of a multi-million dollar company, Eight Figures, and uh, he's just doing fantastic work, and he's going to be, uh, he was voted, excuse me, one of Orange County's top workplaces in 2019. With that said, let's go to break, and we'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As Tom works with leaders, something he consistently sees is their struggle with engagement and retention. Then their frustration with having to repeat the employee development process again and again. What most people don't know is the answer lies in love. Once they realize that they simply need to apply the golden rule, the results are surprising. They start bringing out the best in others. They develop confident, capable employees, and they find they have more fun and freedom and less stress in their lives. Perhaps most importantly, they satisfy what they've been craving. Now they've created the culture that they and their team have always wanted. This is when Synergy takes over, and the results are astounding. The first step is critical. When you exhibit the self-awareness and humility that shows you need to learn and improve continuously, you set the example and encourage others to follow. To learn more, visit Blackhawk Leadership Development at BlackhawkSpeaks.com. That's BlackhawkSpeaks.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You are listening to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you have questions or comments about the program, you may send an email to tom at blackhawkspeaks.com. Now, back to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. All right, welcome back to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Again, you can find everything about this show at the website, yourevolvingleadershipjourney.com. And today we've been talking with Luke Peters, a very successful business owner of New Air out of Orange County, California, and doing eight-figure, multi-million-dollar work. So, Luke, uh, we've been talking about leadership and culture and communication. Uh, The next question I wanted to ask you is, Do customers come first or employees? Which one and why? Yeah, good question, Tom. And as you know, you know, nothing starts until there's a sale. So, you know, everybody, a lot of great companies like Amazon will will put the customer first. And I, and I, Definitely think it's it's the right way to think, but at the same time, especially when you're a smaller, mid-sized company like us, you got to have that great team. You know, you got to put your team first, and um, so that that's how I would answer that question. And and we've definitely, you know, it, it's a tough one because you do what you can within the finances of the company, right? As a company's growing and and you're investing in a company, but but as much as you can put the team first, you show you care about them, and you you do uncommon things or. Or, or things that are memorable for the team along the way and hopefully uh, build in a company culture where people feel connected and, and really want to do, and they care about the business, then, you know, that, 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 that part's unbeatable. And along the way, if you do that, then they're going to care about your customers, right? So I would take it, I would take it from that approach, which says, you know, you, you, you build that team the right way and yes, the customers first, but then if, if you have the right team, then they're going to act in that way anyways, and, um, and, and, and then, you know, then you kind of have a machine and a, and a team that's going to take accountability and, and really uh, treat those customers well. Great answer. Great answer. I love it. You know, I'm going to paraphrase again. You know, the way, way I interpret all what you just said is uh, the first thing you got to do is you've got to insert you as a leader have to serve your internal customer and it's their job to serve your external customers. And that's what we call, I'm sure everybody's heard this before, employee engagement. Um, you know, they're going to care. They're going to be more involved, and I like words, Luke's words where he said it's going to be like a machine, a well-tuned, well-oiled machine. So that's great. All right. So the next question, Luke, is how should companies present their purpose and vision, and why is it important to their teams, and why should leaders be interested? Yeah, so this one is something actually I'm doing this new now or, or di- in a different way. Like, first of all, we didn't have a vision up until a couple of years ago, and, and one of the reasons was that, you know, I always felt kind of corny because – you know, you read a lot of these visions and they're just, they don't really mean anything, you know? And, and, and for me, it was hard for me to go say that, say something like that, that I didn't really believe in or that I had a hard time, uh, you know, being serious about. So it took me a while, you know, and that's where we settled on, or that's where I settled on, you know, I have a full vision, but the vision statement is, you know, become the most trusted brand in our industry because it really resonates to all departments. But, um, and then, so I shared that with the whole team, and it was great because it kind of showed where we want to be on a revenue a standpoint and where we want to be even on a departmental standpoint. But I will say, I will add to it that what I'm doing now, especially on all new hires. So we have a, a, a good new, new hire onboarding process where, uh, you know, we make them feel special. They go to lunch with all the departments. They get to meet everybody, hopefully at the company. 
because it's especially with a company like ours, there's a lot of operations. So we got a lot of operations, a lot of sales and a lot of finance, you know, cause we have a big, big warehouse. And so um, you want people to be connected and understand the whole flow of the company and know everybody. So anyways, what I did is, and this is with the help of my um, HR director is now I do a onboarding process myself. So just for those employees who are new and, I show them the vision. I show them a little bit about the company got to this point. Cause you know, we started in a garage and just it's, it's more to give them context because I'll tell you what, there's so many people when we didn't do this, we'd have people here six months and they didn't have context on the company. You know, they only had what they heard and what they heard might not have been right. And in our case, there's multiple entities within the, you know, that are associated with the company and just for people to kind of understand that whole structure is important and to see where they fit and how they, what levers they can pull within the company. But um, even if that stuff isn't important, right? So even if it's not that important, you think it's not important, it is important to them because what happens is they feel again, back to that word uncertain. They don't know, Oh wow. I didn't know the company had this, or I didn't know this happened in the company's history. So it's been great. Um, just did one the other day for a couple new team members and uh, we'll definitely continue to do that. Look, I just took some notes, uh, but I want to ask you a question. You know, I, I, I'd like to challenge you, if you don't mind. Um, you say you didn't have a vision until a couple years ago, and, and I would argue you probably had a vision all along. It's more about how you were able to articulate it. Is that fair or not? Oh, yeah. No. A hundred, a hundred, you're 100%. Yeah. 100%. But you know what happened? It, it, it's a great point. We've had a vision the whole time. But what happened with the companies, you know, for the first 10 years, we were a direct-to-consumer business. And then for the last, you know, six, seven years, we changed to a kind of a B2B model. So it, it, was, a, it was a big change within the company. And uh, when we did that, now it took me a while, a couple of years after that change to really say, hey, I got it. Like we're different now than we used to be. And I, and I need to make sure everybody on the team knows how we're different. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there was a vision, there was, there was strategy, but this forces you to put it on paper. And what it does is then it aligns the whole team. Well, part of the reason I asked you that question, and I'm, I'm looking through my notes, and maybe it was a previous dialogue with you or something, but we, but I think you used the word transparency. And and here, let me let me kind of um, roll this question out for you. So, I believe you had a vision all along. It took you a while to articulate. I believe you used the word transparency some way when you communicated to me previously. And the question I would have for you is, as you're as you're trying to reveal your vision. I, I would argue that some of your team members helped you articulate it. Is that fair? And just, you know, kind of tie that into transparency and what are your thoughts? Are. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I shared it with multiple people and, and they put their spin on it and, um, and they definitely had some edits to it because, you know, I think my writing style was good, but, it, but when other people read it, they kind of had a different opinion on, on a different, even a different style you know, maybe the substance was the same. And then uh, a couple elements were eliminated, a couple elements were added. So that kind of goes back to that whole thing of the brain trust. You know, I'm, trust me, I'm, I, uh, you know, I just come from humble beginnings. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm always open to learning new things, you know, even from my, at the end of the day, I have to make final decisions, right? I have no problem making a decision, but, uh, but, you know, put, put that together with the fact that um, I'm extremely open-minded, you know, about, hearing what other people have to say and kind of weighing it against what I think and what they think. And, and then we, 
have that final product that, you know, then goes to the team. Yeah, that's fantastic. And one of the things you wrote in the description is you'd like other business leaders to avoid some of the hard lessons and mistakes you've learned. You know, you can go back, back and whether or not you, this is a part of your faith or not, but there's a, uh, there's a proverb uh, verse, if you will, that says, with many advisors come success. And there's a lot of wisdom to that because, you know, you took the collective wisdom of your team and you were able to uh, collate that into a coherent message for your organization. And, and again, it goes back to what we talked about in the very, very beginning. You want everybody to feel like they're involved and they're contributing and they're part of the organization. So congratulations for all that. And, you know, you know, my next question, I think you might have already talked about. Um, maybe you didn't. So let me ask it and you can tell me if we want to move on. You created a mentoring program at your business. What was important and what is the goal of the program? Who is involved? Where are yeah, you yeah, I know we did talk a little, but I think it's worth, I can just share a little bit more about it because, um, because I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a great way for, for leaders to connect with people on the team in a way they would never have done before, you know, because I'm doing it in a collaborative way. They're reading books, they're giving their opinion. I'm trying not to talk very much. I ask a lot of questions. Then I'll, I'll give my opinion, obviously, because a lot of them are younger, you know, who, who happen to be in the group. Cause this is, this wouldn't be for your, like for a company of say 20 folks and you've got two or three or four key people, they wouldn't be on your team. This is the next level or two down. This, this is your future leaders potentially, you know, that you would pull into this mentoring team, mentoring group. And um, it's great, you know, because let's face it, you know, when, when you're a CEO, most of your lunches and meetings are going to be with your, you know, key team at the top. And so this gives you a, first of all, it gives you a great excuse to meet with them. You get to connect with them. Um, maybe they see you in a different light. Maybe they don't, you know, so it doesn't, I'm not, you know, none of these things are, are silver bullets, but, but, um, but I think overall, it's like anything in business, you have to try these things and you have to stay connected with the team. And it's actually a lot less formal than say, you're going up and giving a speech to the company. I mean, here you're, you're conversing back and forth. You're asking questions. You're trying to help them. You know, I'm literally telling them how they can make more money in the future. Right. And, and how they should think about their career. So, um, so definitely a pretty cool program. I, I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. You're creating a learning environment. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's important to me, you know, learning environments are part of the culture um, and make it as positive as possible. I want to ask you a kind of a direct question. But how often do your people in your mentor program, two levels down from you, ask you that tough question? Like, hey, Luke. I don't understand this. Why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. Do you get those questions? I wish I did. I wish I got those more. It's, 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 it's tough as, as much as I think I'm approachable. It's hard when, you know, I'm, I'm often not going to be the first person that that team goes to. I wish I was, you know, I try to, I try to be, but I think they feel they'll feel more calm comfortable going to somebody closer to them on those things, but I definitely pull it out. I mean, I've gotten people to tell me like, for example, on my podcast, Tom, I'll tell you. So I got some great advice and that was, um, so I, I got a, a young lady who she's the one who kind of edits the podcast notes and does a write up about it. And so she has to listen to every podcast start to finish. And she told me that, Hey Luke, I think you need to be more focused. And I was like, man, thanks for telling me that, you know, cause that's a very direct critique of, of my style. And so now I've changed my um, form where we just stay focused on one or two subjects 
throughout the whole podcast instead of going on all these tangents. But um, I wish I had more of that and I'm pushing for more of it. So, you know, I want to, I never come down on anybody. They can tell me whatever, you know, whatever they want. The worst thing I could do is argue with them. So, you know, you just want to take it in and, and thank them. But um, yeah, that would be, I don't get as much as I want, but that would be an example of, of one that was really helpful. Well, let me share with you one thing that I was just enamored with when I was in the military. And the, the Army started this right around the time when I entered in the early 80s. And I, I had the benefit of going through this throughout my entire career. And that's something called the After Action Review. And so after every major event, we would actually schedule time into debrief, if you will. We'd go in the tent and the rules of engagement, ROE, we would call it, is you know, anything, any issue was fair game. And it didn't matter if you're the senior ranking person or if you're the lowest ranking person. Um, everybody took off their rank. They put on their big boy, big girl pants when they went in the tent. And you'd never attack the person, but you attack the issues and say, hey, we could be doing this better. And perhaps that would help. I don't know. But I just want to offer you a suggestion because in the late 90s, corporate America started using that. And so if it's helpful to you, it's going to be helpful other small business leaders and you and I are both in the business of helping other people um, be more successful. So I wanted to share that. Yeah. Thanks Tom. It is very interesting. Okay. So what are the best leadership principles principles you've learned from all the books you've read? Well, so many of them, but I think, um, I think like with almost all the books, uh, just, just on and on to almost all the books they, they talk about, improving your listening skills, you know, so a lot of these are going to be communication skills. So improving your listening skills and letting highlighting folks. So whether it's showing appreciation, but talking less, listening more, that, that would be one. And that that's in so many different books. And then another one would be, uh, you know, being more strategic. So at the beginning, most companies are more task oriented. And then as, as you grow, you got to be more strategic and it's important for a number of reasons because if, if, if you stayed, if you're doing everything, which again, I'm guilty of this, trust me, but I'm trying to be less guilty of it, then you're not going to let your team lead, right? So you got, you got to, you got to have the hands-off approach and then also um, time management and teaching your team time, time management. Now time management could be, you know, teaching your team prioritize how to prioritize things, how to do things, uh, you know, like a task list is, is a fine for a basic step, but people kind of, what happens is they, they measure everything equally and that, that can be a big mistake. So taking people one level up from that is really important and teaching your team about that uh, can make a massive difference, bigger, bigger than you think. And, that, and that's where the communication comes in because then you're continually letting your team know what's important and what isn't. And then finally, I would say, and I'm still working on this one, which is really building great reporting. Great reporting could could and should be for me and for most companies the the, um, the tool that holds people accountable and also creates visibility. And I think a lot of us have pretty good reporting, but really building in reporting and then a rhythm. You know, it's a once a week meeting with your team. Everybody knows what's expected at that meeting. And now you have a rhythm, so things are moving forward on that reporting. So those are those that come from you know many different books, but. Uh, so I think a lot of folks know these things and then, but getting really putting them in place can make a massive difference. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I guess I took that for granted because that's something we always did in the military. And I don't want to mean to keep bringing that back up, but again, you know, I was part of this hundreds of thousands of people organization that's been around for centuries. So they've developed all that stuff. And so every small business, uh, 
you got to go through those processes. But Luke is bringing up some fantastic points. Um, you talked about time management, and I, I mean, I immediately think of Covey and his urgent import matrix. But let me ask the next question: What are the top three leadership books you've read? Well, and and there's, sure, there, there's so many. So I'm going to bring up a couple. I'll bring up a few, maybe that don't that actually might not be on people's first list because I've read, I've read almost I've read a lot of them. But I would say, let me start with um, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Okay, I think Chet has passed away. Um, This is a marketing book, honestly. But there's some key, what I really enjoyed in it is early in the book, there's a a chapter on reporting and how how, how, uh, leaders should organize the reporting within their companies. And it's just golden because um, that is a leadership principle. When you get a flow, a meeting flow with your team that's happening on a regular basis and expectations are set. And, uh, and, and, and Chet is, is, you know, was known as an incredible marketer. So it's a great book for everybody to read. Um, so I would go there. And then I would say the seven habits, you know, that that's a book that we're doing in our, in our, uh, in our mentoring meeting and Stephen Covey in the four quadrants. So understanding, teaching your team, the four quadrants, trying to stay, um, in the important but non-urgent <laughs> is is the goal for everybody, and trying to stay out of quadrant three and four is the goal for everybody. So, I mean, that that's a great book. The only thing with that book is, you know, it's very it's wordy because Covey is so smart, and it could be a lot to take in sometimes for some folks. Um, but the principles in the book are great. Uh, right now, like for example, we went through the first four chapters, and then or, or the first four habits, and then we're going to hit the fifth habit, you know, which is um, seek to understand before you're understood. I don't know if I said that right, but it's, it, you know, when, when, when younger people learn about that, so hold on, habit five, see, uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood, right? And it's such a key right. thing for young people to think about, like, hey, a lot about everything in life is understanding, you know, the person who's sitting across the table first. Don't, don't worry about the me, me, me part. So that's a massive leadership principle. Um, and then another one that's really good is uh, Lincoln on Leadership. I don't have a, the author with me. It's just a great book of about Abraham Lincoln. And I mean, and then also even there's several biographies about Lincoln. I've read them. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the author of the one I read. It's, it, he's such an incredible figure. And I think people have Lincoln. You know, they talk about Lincoln, but maybe not a lot of people have read about Lincoln. And uh, the things he did were... I mean, he, he literally is, even though we're Americans and we, we kind of put him up there as one of the bet, one of the top leaders, I think he really uh, belongs as one of the top uh, historical leaders, you know, for all countries, uh, just with some of the principles and, and really, so what I would say what stands out with Lincoln is how thoughtful he was. Uh, he was slow to act um, and he really understood politics and people and he delegated really, really well. Uh, and then when he had to say something, he really, he knew how to write, you know, because he was an attorney. He was a, he was a good speaker in his, in his, uh, younger years. So he, when the moment was there and he had to say something, he knew how to say it and, and bring a country together. So, um, excellent, great book there. Well, look, I'm happy to say I own two of three of those books and I need to get the third one. Um, I'm embarrassed, 
They have only read one of those two that I do have. Look, I don't know. We're, we're going to have maybe a minute left. And if you got a chance to answer this one, how has the tone of leadership changed in the past 15 years? And then I know we've got to cut this short. Cut this off. Yeah. No, and, and thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. I mean, the, the tone of leadership is different now because I think it's a lot less top down. You know, and, and, it, and it definitely was more top down. And, and that's just how I was raised. You know, it was just a different world back even, even 10, 15 years ago, it was just different. And now with this generation, the generation now is so smart and they, they, they really can plug right into companies and work hard, but they don't respond to top-down leadership at all. And nor should they, you know? Um, it's, so it's more of a, a tone, I think, around um, respect. As long as you have the right folks on the team um, who have confidence, which I do think is something that is not as prevalent as we all hope it would be, you know, and, but then you can help your team get more confidence. But, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a change in all businesses over the last couple of years. You'll see that in all the recruiting. And if you want the best teams, um, you're going to have to kind of adapt. Luke, thank you so much for being my guest today. I know you got to run and I appreciate your time. And for our listeners, you've been listening to your evolving leadership journey. You can find all the guests, all the information at yourevolvingleadershipjourney.com. Next week, we'll be talking with Mark Nevins again about what happens next. The second interview I'll be having with him. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in this week to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Be sure to join host Tom Crea for another edition next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a great week.